All right, guys. Well, we are back. Um, it has been a long time. I did record two podcasts for you in Pikes Peak, but I'm an idiot and deleted those somehow. Um, but we're back with another team that is uh, getting ready to jump into the Lemons Endeavor. Team of six that went to five, but only three showed up today because one is out of town. Um, I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. My name is Matthew Mudzer. My name is Cole Bishop. And Philip Miller. And do we have a team name yet? Shake and Break. Come on, like that hadn't been used already? <laughs> Somebody has to have used that. I don't know. I need to look it up. So. I've not heard of that before, but I'm sure. Like, it's just way too... It's way too easy. Yeah, you way may have too to come, available. You may have to come up with something new. So let's go over car first. The car of my choice, I believe, right? Yeah, so we have a 2003 Infiniti G35 manual sedan. Sedan. Sedan, even better. Um... So what's the mileage on this one? Ooh, 160. Yeah, it's right north of 160. Okay. Yeah. So you had to go with Team Winfinity uh, locally. So theirs was the G35 manual, but it was the all-wheel drive version. Oh. So they had some other challenges that hit them in the process, but they've won a couple events. Uh, they won C and got moved to B. I believe they've got a B win now too. But last event, they finally lost their motor, but their motor lasted four races. I mean, after they bought it, and it was a high-mileage car, so... Do they keep it all-wheel drive? Uh, yes, yeah. yeah, they keep it all-wheel drive, which I think was... Sometimes you think it's easier to remove the stuff, Yeah. but the factory built it and designed it for a reason, so why change it? Uh, but they're just really quick guys. They come out with a lot of focus on the weekend, and they're, they're ready to actually go out there and run the car. Yeah. Um, they still like to party and drink, and that's fine. I do, too, but there's some teams that take it too far. And then the next morning, they're trying to find one guy that's sober enough to drive. So be aware of that. That's not them. Um, have a plan the night before on where you're going as far as who's going to drive yeah. and such like that. But yeah, Infinity, good good choice. So car was part of the family or somebody bought it? How did you guys get it? We bought it. Uh, we originally were looking at uh, Chevy S10s and... Uh, that kind of went down a windy road down to Sweeney. Um, Sweeney, you were getting into drag trucks there. Uh, we were getting into something because <laughs> it was. Uh, we contacted this guy on Facebook and he had this, what was it, like an 86 S10? Yeah, I think it's close to like 89. But yeah. it, was, it was like the 4.3. Oh, uh, we manual. loved that truck. Oh, okay. We really yeah. wanted that truck. It was yeah. the six cylinder, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So it had the bigger engine, it was a manual, it was just a sweet truck, and we, this guy was just kind of like, weird to contact, he wouldn't reply to, he was the one contacting him, but he called me up and he was like, hey, let's, uh, let's drive down to Sweeney and look at this truck. I've never been to Sweeney, where the fuck's Sweeney, why do I want to go to Sweeney? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, we should call that guy Sweeney Todd. Cause <laughs> I don't think his name was Todd. I still have his number. I'm I'm waiting, <laughs> waiting for the opportunity. I'm waiting like to let that blow over, and I'm gonna put him on Craigslist for like free goats or something. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so we go down to this guy's house. It takes us an hour and a half to drive down there. This is after work on a weekday, so it was a lot right, to right. do. And uh, we show up, and this. Another guy looking at the truck, we figure it's the guy's friend or something. Yeah. 
And we're like, hey, what's up, man? And uh, lo and behold, this guy is there also to buy the truck before us. And uh, the dude just straight up sells it out from under us while we're standing there. No option to bid him up or anything? No, he didn't even talk to They'd us. he do like a live auction or something. Shit. Yeah, yeah, no, he didn't even talk to us. He just pretty much made the deal with the guy and then offered us some bullshit gas money. <laughs> and uh, Can I help you out? We were no, not man. happy with that. <laughs> and we were like, what the fuck, man? And all this stuff. And uh, kind of... Got to the point, and then the dude pulls a gun on us. Two, two <laughs> guns. Two guns. Oh. He had one gun in each hand. What? I don't know why. I'm offering you money guns. to pulling two guns. Okay. Why would you need? Well, two there's guns? two of you, right? So one I gun was on standing each. over by the truck. He was the one like talking to the guy, but things escalated like super fast, and shit got crazy, and then that's. He's like, I'm calling the cops on you. And they're like, well, no, we're going to call the cops on you. And then we're just like, let's just leave. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Reminders, Texas. Let's just get in our car and go. (laughs) Somebody will die here. (laughs) Yeah, so that was our first experience trying to buy a car. Well, I tried to buy the Mustang before that. I didn't really know the story about that one. And then me and Craigslist again? uh, Facebook market. Okay, okay. We talked for like a week. Had everything set up. I get the trailer. I go down there. And then on in route, he deletes the post and just disappears on there. <laughs> you have really good luck with cars. <laughs> it's just such a weird experience <laughs> trying to buy a car that trying to buy a piece of shit car. Yeah, yeah. buying a cheap car is actually really hard. Like a yeah, cheap well, finding a good cheap car is even the harder part. Right? Yeah. So. so the third one was the G thirty five, which was also super sketchy, just in general. But here's the thing, so. I was not even aware that the G35 was available in a manual until the other one showed up. And I was like, what the hell? Like, how much of my life have I been missing out on? Because that's a really, really stout car for lemons. And with all the floods we've got in Houston, you should be able to find one cheap. And I've been on a lookout since we built that one. I've still never found one that was, in my mind, acceptable for what I wanted to do. But car yeah. hauls ass. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We yeah, took yeah, it for yeah, its yeah, first test drive after stripping it, yeah, like, like a month ago or a couple weeks ago. And uh, things quit. Yeah. Yeah, and so with him, he offered it for sale. I went over, and I was like, it needs some work, but, I mean, whatever. I'll buy it. Let's do it. And he's like, oh, well, we're still trying to find the title. I'm not worried. Thanks. And then I was like. Knock the price down. We'll move on. I was like, all right, cut the bullshit. I'll buy it, you know, a thousand bucks without the title. I don't care. He's like, well, I need a little bit more. And so we settled like 1200 bucks. And so. I think pretty good price for what yeah. ended up being. Yep. Sell off the interior, sell off some body panels. It's all money. Nice. That's good. Is. Yeah. So have you? So mechanically, what's been done? You guys have obviously stripped the car at this point. Yep. Just got the uh, driver's seat in it. Yeah. We replaced uh, wheel hub. Yeah. So um, they crack. They. I think they're trying to drift it or something. Okay. And they ended up basically hitting something. Probably like a concrete wall or a wall yeah. or something. There's a big gash out of the driver's side door yeah, where so I think something was hit. And then they broke the rear hub when they did that. Okay. So I went and all the airbags on the Perfect. That's off. good. That's good. Um, so hub on the other side. Even though it's not blown. Fixed, yeah. Always replace them in pairs. Yep. When one fails, then you go replace the other one. But if you just replace that one, go ahead and replace the other one before the race. Don't, don't show up the race with one that's of unknown quantity. 
Yeah. Um, front wheel bearing failures are very, very common in lemons just because there's so much load on the car. And I'll say it's usually because the skill of driving a car at the limit on track, even with a 200 turbo tire, you will understeer and plow through the corner and all you're doing is just chewing up bearings as much as you're chewing up your tires. So just be, a, be aware of that. I know you're talking about the rear on that one, but if it's a high mileage car, I'd probably look at doing front wheel bearings too. Yeah. Just as, a, as an option, you know, uh, one of those things to do. And while, so me and my father-in-law is the one that's working today, um, we pretty much stripped the car while they rebuilt the steering rack, uh, which had some it's painful. Yeah, and I think I still need to change the pump too. What else did we do? We replaced the brakes. So if you're running the power brakes. steering, you've got, so this gets into one of the things a lot of people overlook. It's just cooling in general. And if you've listened to my podcast, I'll t you'll hear me talk about the Chevy 350. But power sharing is the next one that you'll have to actually increase the cooling capacity of that as well. So basically get you a small transmission cooler and run that for your power sharing cooler. Yeah, it's got a little itty bitty like... And think about that. that. That's a little itty bitty for driving on the street right. in downtown Houston. Now you're going to go beat on it for nine hours straight. You'll smoke it. It, it's, it's cheap cheap hop on speedway motors um they've got a bunch of them they sell something like 19 20 bucks really yeah and just all you need is look at what's there my rule is double what what you have so if you've yeah, got like a three inch by a 10 system. inch you know go to a six six by you know 15 something like that <clears throat> double your square inches because we're also thinking about replacing the intercooler too not a bad idea a bigger one a bigger one definitely helps um I, the other thing I've seen teams do that's good is they take like what the Subarus did with the intercooler sprayer. So basically you take your windshield washer nozzles, reroute them to your actual intercooler in front of it. That's and oh, that is very clever. A couple and you actually just start cooling down ambient temps too. Hmm. So maybe you do both if you got time, right? Yeah. Um, there's one of the things, call it a push to pass. Um, if you can do that cooler and you can get, you know, 10, 15 degrees cooler intake temps, I mean, it makes more power. It's just, it's Cheap a fact. nitrous. There's teams that have done that stuff too. Lemons, lemons won't let you run it, but there are other events where you can show up with nitrous and have a really good time. Um, it does happen. On the intercooler, I'll say the bigger thing I see with that is, depending on how it's set up in that car, you'll end up getting heat soak from one element to the next. So if you're going through intercooler first and then say through AC condenser, which take that out yeah. unless it actually works, and then you want to keep it in the car. But as that heat radiates through, the air coming through is increasing. The last thing usually to get air is a radiator. So thereby your radiator ends up needing to be upsized as well. Because then the end, it sets in the very front for the intercooler, right? Yeah. And then you've got probably oil cooler, then AC condenser, and then radiator. I'm trying to picture how that's laid out. I'm trying to picture it. You just have to look at it. We'll be upsizing the radiator. Right? Yeah. You yes. told me that there was uh, Speedway Motors. We just did one on a GXP. Um, it was one hundred and thirty nine dollars shipped, and we were actually even able to use the hose line. Well, it's used for all the dirt track. Yeah, it's for all the dirt track cars. Oh, yeah. So it's aluminum cores. They tear up. So you have to take yours out, measure the space. This one we knew it's a uh, supercharged GXP, so we knew we needed the maximum radiator. So it's thirty one inches long. Um, it's your normal eighteen tall. And we had to cut some of the core support out to make enough room to fit it. Mm -hmm. um, and had to lower the bottom bar by two inches. But cooling capacity, I guarantee you, is, is seven to eight times what they had. 
um, it, their cord was as wide as my finger when we took it out. And the one I put in is just over three fingers wide. Yeah. It's a three and a half inch. That would probably be it's massive. Yeah. And for 140 bucks, yeah. now when you order it, they've got two setups. They've got Chevrolet, which is um, from the car, from the driver's side is upper left, lower right, okay? Ford is the exact opposite. So you look at your car and figure out which one it is, Ford or Chevrolet. Mm -hmm. And then what happens is you end up having to usually make at least one hose. Make your hose, cut it up and duct tape it together, figure out what you want. And then you walk into the parts store and I need one of these, like what number is it? We don't have a number when I've been, let me go look. You go back to the shelf and you find one that has that basic shape, make it work. And then cooling is done. Then you're beyond head gaskets, you know, at that point, which is number one limits failure. And a head gasket failure is based on heat from the radiator not getting enough cooling. Okay. For sure. So tallest guy on the team. Probably Philip. Oh uh, no. No, I think Cecil and I are both the same. How tall are you? Six one. Five eleven. I think Cecil. Five eleven. Yeah, I think Cecil's right. I think you're six, one or six, six foot. Okay. Even Jay's taller, right? Jay's no. Maybe. So are you guys gonna need a slider on the seat? Do you think? Probably. I don't know. I don't know. Something makes that extra padding. It can be done. The challenge I'll tell you is extra padding is good until you crash. Because when you crash, all that padding has to be compressed somehow. Mm. So that gives your body time to accelerate until thereby which your body stops. And that's when it hurts. So do you want to minimize the just don't crash? Of movement is movement. Um, maybe you. <laughs> it's, it's one of those... You have to consider it when you're doing it. Like if you don't actually consider it and then something happens and you'll really feel bad. Like I, we've seen people use tons of things. I mean, I've literally seen full-fledged hotel pillows shoved in a car and people get in and strap it in. And yes, you're compressing most of it, but there's still movement. Mm. I would much rather have a seat that's, if you're not all at the same driving position, that is movable for sure. It just makes more sense. But that's something that you guys will have to decide. Um, and then on seat, figure out what seat you're gonna run. Then we'll figure out the slider issue. Should not have a problem with it being coupe, so. So do you recommend a metal seat or? I am a full on metal supporter. Um, okay. And here's, there's multiple reasons why, but the easiest one is I can actually secure the seat. I can drill holes where I want, put as big bolts as I want, and washers to secure the seat. When I go to a composite seat, what they would call it, you've got four less than quarter by 20 bolts that hold you in that thing. That's it. And, and they're through thread certs inside the composite. It was like, oh, it's strong, it's FIA tested. You're right, it's FIA tested. But it's not Bubba Wallace tested, right? I just, I, I want it solid. I do not want it to move. Um, and I say it because then you go to where your seat back brace is on a composite seat, you're not allowed to drill it. So what you get is this one inch foam pad that goes onto a metal bar and it pushes up against the back of the seat. When you get side impact, chair's going over. It's gonna keep it from going back for sure. When you do an aluminum seat, seat back brace is basically three by six inches and you got two bolts that go through it. So it takes the top of the seat and keeps it from moving left, right or center as well. And that's the difference is I, you can, stop the motion your motion is just the car you're moving with it um, 
Ultra Shield is made in Texas by Texas Craftsman. It's not imported from China, Indonesia, wherever the other K company is coming from currently. Um, I like it because I can go up there and actually talk to them and actually shake hands with the guys building my seat. The challenge with them is usually they're sometimes five, six weeks behind. So you have to get on the list early to get their seats unless you do one of the spec Miatas and there's a couple shops here in the US that actually will buy 100, 150 seats at the beginning of the year. They'll have them in stock. That's kind of what puts, puts Ultrashield behind early in the year. But there's new owners at Ultrashield. Um, we can pick up the phone, we can talk to them directly um, and just set up what you guys need to get it built. But that's definitely the way I would go. Uh, the Spec Miata seat is a good seat. I prefer the Rally because it gives a little bit of rib protection, but that's all stuff we can look at. I've got some of them here. Okay. So you can actually sit in a couple and go, I like it, I hate it, I like it, I hate it. So. There's choices, we but figure out what size we need to based on how we put this. So, unless you've got a big guy, and I say big guy being me, okay, I fit into a 16. Um, that's pretty much what most people run is a 16. There are some okay. 15s and 13s out there. 13's a fucking tiny ass seat. Um, I can't even get my ass in a 15. 16, I fit. It's a little snug, but that's the way I prefer my seats. Mm -hmm. He may be a little bit looser in it than you are. But it's, you're now trying to fit everybody into one. Yeah. So it's... the medium. Yep. And correct belts, correct seating fixture to where the seat doesn't move, you're fine. Do you recommend a removable steering wheel? Absolutely. Critical. The only challenge you have is on your car, what all is tied into the steering wheel itself. Yeah. And it's got some controls. It's got all that. Yeah. So the, the issue... or the route that though, though? No? So, yes and no. So, on some of that, depending on what year we're running into some of the newer stuff that's got the CAN bus on it. So, it's got your CAN bus high and low that runs through steering wheel controls for some of the, let's say you can run through it and check oil pressure, you know, coolant temps, it's all run through the dash. When you unplug that, then your whole CAN bus system goes batshit crazy. So, you either have to unplug it and then relocate it and plug it back in so the system's not crazy, or you just leave the steering wheel. Being Infinity, it should have tilt and telescoping too. It does, yeah. So the, those are great. Are they manual or electronic? The telescoping? Yeah. Manual. And then the column tilt yeah. up? Okay. So that's okay. On the Pontiac we had, we actually just painted that piece red so that in an emergency you need to get out, you can do that. That was before I was like, oh, it has to have removable. Once you get in and out of a car with a removable steering wheel, you understand why you want it. It is life changing getting in and out of a car especially in a hurry. Um, it's just, it's a challenge when you've got a vision of two and a half inches, you know, the peripheral is limited. Anything you can do to make more space to get out of cars of great value. Realistically, how long <coughs> would you expect us to be able to stay out on the track at a time? That's a great discussion. So. Because you mentioned it's only an eight hour race. Yep. So it's nine hour day one, eight hours day two. Okay. So there's gonna be a, some of what I'm gonna tell you will be factual, stuff that's happened, then there'll be the shit that I say can happen. Factual stuff that happens, most teams are two hours. The ones that are stretching it, that are trying to do long stints, two hours. I would say 95% of the teams run an hour and 15 to an hour and 45 minutes. And they, they pit. I've had people that have made 10 laps and essentially having a complete nervous breakdown get me out of the car. There are some people that just cannot deal with the amount of stuff that's going on out there. It just overloads them. So you've got to be prepared for that as a team. 
your first year, your first stint out, most people will not get 45 minutes to an hour in. It's just how it is. You're going to plan for an hour and 45. You're going to plan two hours. We're going to do it. The guy in the car at 45 minutes is going to be getting me out of this thing. It is, it is a lot when you've not done it. Once you start doing it and you get more comfortable with stuff, hour 45 is pretty standard. And that's just dealing with the heat of the car, the heat of you, fuel, um, the stress of being passed, the stress of passing. Uh, because as much as you think you're a moron, there are way, way worse morons out there in front of you that you're trying to get around. So it's a great challenge to get around them. There are teams, and one very close to our shop here um, that we do a lot of work with, their vehicle came in at a two hour, 15 minute mark on the last race. They forgot to fuel. Now, there's really only two things you do in lemons when you pit. You change people and you put fuel. So I'll poke fun at them for fucking failing on 50% of what their task was. But they just said the guy got in the car and he was ready and away he went. Like they just fucking forgot. Point of the story is they made another hour and 45 minutes before they ran out of fuel. You know, wait a second. You got a car that could do three hours and 45 minutes. If you caught a couple cautions, did things correctly, four hours. If you could do a four-hour stint, then the next guy gets in does a four-hour stint. You've got two pit stops in a nine-hour race, one pit stop in an eight-hour race. Ten minutes, 11 minutes per stop, you're doing two-minute laps. That puts you a 10-lap lead on any other car. Unreal. So having the stamina and the ability to sit in a car and just drive and make laps definitely has value. Does everybody have that value with their car? No. You got turbos, so you're making more, making more boost, more power, then you're consuming more fuel. So then your fuel tank shrinks. But then you look like the BMW that's got what, a 24 gallon tank, originally was an 18 gallon tank. So they're all within the rules, but they've got more capacity now. Who's trying to join? Do what? Is it raining? Yeah, okay, it's raining. Windows up, go get windows up. Yeah, exactly, it's Texas, it's okay. That's what we do. So the, have you guys done DEs and uh, track days or anything like that yet? If you count going around this neighborhood as a track day. Okay, I mean, it could be a track. Cause, I cause mean, after we get it, we just took it, took it around, see what, make sure it worked, make sure right. the brakes worked. Those are smoking, but they're fine now. And then for that first track days, we're trying to do that in the next couple months. Okay, yeah, so any track time you can get it a value. Yeah. I'll give you plugs now, so stay on my Facebook page because I do Apex events, mm -hmm. which are mine, and then I'm also RE for the Houston region. So we do track sprints, time trials, and then we run one called the CRE, Club Race Experience. Um, we're running one September 5th, which will be a six hour enduro. So it is kind of a practice, a test for all our Lemons members what, what uh, to come out and run six. What was that date answer? Uh, September 6th. So your car will not be ready by that point because you don't have a cage. Right. But well, we'll check it out. Should attend. Yeah. Should attend. Come down, volunteer, do some efforts with me. I'll definitely take your assistance. And just being by the cars, being by the people, you will see and learn all kinds of stuff. Right. Promise. Be well worth your time. How wet was it? Not bad. See, it's like when you're on a convertible, it's like it's really gotta be raining before it bothers you. Yeah. She's like, it's not enough. 
fine. I didn't have a pool in the Shifter Beach. Right, right, so right. <laughs> um, there are track days that you can take it to MSR. Uh, so just kind of watch any of those track sprints, open lapping, uh, get down there with somebody that's a member. If you know somebody that's a member of MSR, you can pay 175 I believe, and go down and test for a day. Even without the cage, if you've got a seat and you kept a seat belt, they'll let you run. Sweet. And go shake the car down and see what the car does before we start doing a cage. Because your plan is November this year, right? Yes, sir. Be racing. Okay. And you've got the car stripped. So really, you guys are almost at the point of waiting on us then, right? Or are you waiting on us already? We're right on. We're ready. Yeah. Okay. Oh, we haven't scheduled anything yet. Yeah, but yeah. we want to talk to you yeah. first about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's all timing too, right? It's yeah. just like November is already here is what it feels like because I've got like two other ones to be ready to. Um, yeah, getting you guys on track is key, and I just say that because of the stress of what's going on. You guys haven't even got comfortable driving the car on track, let alone the car with traffic. And the speed um, comparison, the delta of speed differential is amazing. Uh, you've got cars that have run as high as a 152 at MSR. You've got cars out there running 235s, 238s. So every fourth lap, third lap, you're lapping the same guy. Um, that is huge speed differential. To give you a comparison in SECA and NASA, they run, well, if you watch an F1, the percentile rule, you've got to be within 115%. If you're not within 115%, you're not even allowed on track. Well, here we are in Lemons, we're running 100% speed differential. It's just, it's unreal, right? So it is a challenge, and you'll learn that some of those slower guys are some of the most challenging to get around. You would think they would be easy, but their skill set for driving is less than appropriate, and they're in a slow car. You don't know where they're going. You end up slowing down to wait to try and get around them, and then they and do something stupid. All, and they're probably taking all the fast inside lines that you want. Well, that, that's the only thing. If you're going into this thinking you're gonna drive a line, you're foolish. Okay. You've got 48 feet of track, use all 48 feet of track. Okay. Do not get stuck on a line. My apex is there, and he's right there. Do not get beside him. He's gonna move over and hit you and fucking push you off. And you remember, any contact, send you to the penalty box. Remember we were talking about the whole pit stop strategy. Well, every trip to the penalty box is usually 25 to 30 minutes by the time you're in and out. Shit. Now you can show up and you can give them the 100 bucks donation to Jay's Charity and go right back out, but you're still losing six to seven minutes at that point on track. Yeah. So you don't want to be in. So what I will tell you is my rule is half a car or more distance between the person around me. And I don't want to be in any blind spot ever like I'll be two car lengths away and then come over into that half once I'm past the blind spot. People will ruin your event and not even know it. Yeah. They don't even know, they're oblivious, they're just driving. You're gonna be in a faster car, you guys have gotta be on the offense. So just position, position, position in everything you do. So what racing history individually, what have you done? Dirt bikes and dirt, dirt okay. cars. Anybody else? Anybody else done dirt? So you'll be the fast guy on the team for sure. We'll what see. dirt cars? Uh, some I'm I'm saying modified and sport mods. Oh fuck! Fun, fun cool. Stuff. But I've only had, I think, what four or five races total my whole career. Okay. So it's more than me. This they're fun, dude. Yeah, they're so much fun. I was bummed because I was at Gator Motorplex. Yeah. Just North Houston, they got closed up, so I was trying to bring a car down and race there for a couple of times, but they're done. Um, so. so 105. Ever play out of 105? They're running a lot 
they're running almost every weekend right now. Okay. Uh, 105 Speedway does some dirt stuff, and then you've got HMP that's got their race series coming back online. Sure. I'm starting one called Spec Miata Oval. So I'm taking a bunch of the older Spec Miatas that people have decided not to spend the money on and make them super fast. Mm-hmm. Um, class is kind of changing to where now if you don't have a fifteen, dollars $25,000 motor, you're not going to be competitive. Um, so some of the older cars are getting tucked away, people are buying them up cheap, and basically I'm trying to move. The current schedule is we've got one at MSR, one at Grand Sport Speedway, No Problem Raceway in NOLA, and then Mobile, Alabama, and then we're going to do a $5,000 uh, purse at the end of the five series. Okay, you so, up that this year or that for next year? Uh, it should be starting, I hope to have one before the end of the year yeah. at Grand Sport and no problem. We'll come back to MSR early in the year and then Mobile. Mobile was supposed to be New Year's, but we just, we're not gonna make it all happen like we want. Yeah. Um, so you've got an idea of what we're talking about with traffic. Because you've and seen then, it, and right? Then, and then hitting hit somebody, get hit yeah. by somebody and they ruin your night and you don't and, do it. Yeah. Or also I did that once. Yeah, ha- you're human, right? I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> That's why that's why fights break out, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, yep. it, it does happen. <laughs> so, any competition experience with you? No, nah, I mean, I've done like an autocross, little league or something. And like go kart, but that's it. Okay. Where'd you autocross? Local? No, down um, HPD a while back ago. Okay. Very cool. So that was with SCCA or PCA? Mm-hmm. Okay. SCCA. So you're already a member then. Correct. So well, that's second time. Yeah. yeah. And then you? Pretty much just go karts. But he's the guy with the Miata. Fucking poser. Fucking poser. He also has a Miata. Yeah. What year's yours? I have a 92 and a 93. Okay. Still 16s? My 92 is about a 93 or something else. Okay. Which is what? F53. Okay. We can talk about that offline, but I'll push you to go 48. Oh, yeah, I already got the 5.3. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, I got the 5.3? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the 4.8 was the direction I was going before the the 4.27 meter showed up in my life. So, it's, uh, it's fun. It'll be good. Yeah, glad you got your windows up, top yeah. up. Um, other questions, thoughts? What do you got? Did you, you're the only one taking notes. Yeah. Everyone else is just kind of sitting back basking. Yeah, because the main thing we were, we, when we talked last, uh, as we're talking about the race seat, race car seat material, you said metal, which makes sense. And then we're also curious the race seat date, because we're so we were trying to like date requirements. We're trying yeah. to find some cheap ones off of Facebook Marketplace and stuff. But it sounds yeah. like we need so to go metal find ones. Those. Metal ones do not have dates. Okay, so we if we find any, the metal ones are mounted in such a way that date code is not important. The reason the other ones have date codes is because it's a composite to the register. I mean, that had to fail. fail That's point. your failure point. Okay. And then race car safety equipment too. So with that RMCA, I got the Hans device and right. the helmet with the screws in it. I don't know what the date is on it. And I got a couple race suits. Okay. So I can check dates to see if it's still looking good. Race go. suits are probably good. Race suits last a long time. Okay. Helmets, we just went through the new 2020 uh, Snell rating came out. So that makes the 2010s no longer valid. 20, 2005s no longer valid. So 2010, 2015s are still valid. Okay, I think I got, so I got my helmet five or six years ago. Yeah. So probably, probably, probably in the clear. Unless, so some of the dirt track stuff will let you run non-Snell. They'll let you run the DOT helmets, which are the motorcycle ones, mm-hmm. which is kind of weird. Motorcycle helmets are meant to take one impact. Cars are meant to take multiple impacts. It's like, well, if you're on a bike, like, it seems like you'd be taking more than one. Yeah. But anyway, 
Um, the Snell Foundation does a lot of research on that, a lot of good stuff. Um, they've agreed to come on to a podcast, and I've just not done it yet. Um, McLeod does all the testing there, but I will tell you there's some things with Snell that, yes, you have to have a standard, and yes, you have to test to it, but I don't think the standard is exactly appropriate, and that is for the visor test. It is a BB gun out of a Red Rider spring-loaded BB gun from 10 feet away. It doesn't go through, and I'm like, standard. yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> uh, there's never going to be BB coming at me that slow in the race cars and on that. Like ever, like just you get a rock off of a tire. It, the velocity of it is much faster than that. But these are all things that we can advise and we can suggest and we can change the standards, right? But until somebody says something, oh, here's a standard and it's got Snell's now. It's great. It is. We can improve it a little bit, is my theory there. So yeah, but that's the difference on the seats, is when they're actually bolted and secured in, nobody cares. It's, just, it's, it's basically what you were doing with the IMCA cars, same thing. It's just, it's secure. It's, you want to be one with the car. Yeah, it'll only get thrown out of there. Yep. Uh, well, let's do this while you're reading that. Since Cooper's first time to ever sit and listen to me talk about this kind of stuff, Comments, questions, because I saw you had your pen out writing shit down. Oh, I was, yeah, I was just writing down uh, stuff like metal well, seats or what players. else do you have? Uh, well, I was going to ask about y'all's race experience, but you already talked about that. One's got it, nobody else. So, I, I mean, I guess you talked about yours as in like careers. So, did you, there are all those four or five races in one season, or it's over a couple of seasons? All right, I got you. There's because I've been raced up at uh, Abilene. They have uh, the Icebreaker Challenge in February. So okay. I've done that two or three times. It's a really tight, narrow track, really bumpy. Yeah. As far as bump, like traffic wise, yeah. it's tight. And then up over in Amarillo, there's that uh, Route 66 Speedway. Okay. I raced there. And then, uh, yeah, and then dirt biking. I raced a couple times in high school. And then uh, last year, and we got another race in a couple weeks. Oh, very yeah, a couple customers are running vintage motocross now. Say that again? Vintage motocross. Yeah, we got, well, there was an old school, like a 90 so, uh, KX250 on the track last week. Older, older? Older. We're talking 72 oh, Husqvarna bike. The, I was about to say, that's when the Husqvarna bike. Traveling, traveling around the country in a Sprinter van with a bike strapped in the back and just having the time of their life. And I'm like, not bad. Yeah. Problem is, he's as vintage as the bike. <laughs> there comes a point where you shouldn't be jumping bikes from 1972 when you were born in 63, right? Yeah. It's just like, there's going to be a problem here. Um, but they enjoy it, and that's what they do. So, um, sunroof car? Yes. Okay. So you left all that in currently to keep it dry? Correct, yeah. Okay, so we'll, you need an aluminum panel for that. Uh, actually, sorry, theirs says a ferrous metal, so I think yours has to be steel. They don't let you use aluminum on it. We kept the whole assembly in there. Okay. So I have to check. I think it does have usually it. makes well when you drop that out, you take that out because that's about thirty-five to forty pounds of weight in the roof. You take that out and you actually put a little uh, steel panel around it, okay. rivet it in, seal it up. That way you're good. Um, you've done this, so I'll direct this one to you. Armor strengths or window nets. This is a whole podcast that's gonna be coming up, and I'll throw you the punchline first and you can tell me what you can do afterwards. At Pike's Peak this year. I had the opportunity of teaching a lot of people how to wear armor strengths correctly. And it was kind of, uh, it's called a light bulb moment for me. I've been running armor strengths 
since I was doing uh, Legends back in the day, uh, keep your hands in the car, and I got to where I liked them a lot, I've just been running them. What I never considered until I was at Pike's Peak was the fact that when you're running arm restraints versus a window net, it's one less thing you have to move to get out of the car. So when I've got a window net in the car, I need to get out in a hurry, I've got to reach up and pull the window net down, lay it down out of the way to get it to where I can get out of the car, then I undo my belt or unbelt first and then get out. When arm restraints are on your lap belt, as they're supposed to be, when you undo the belt to get out, you're also undoing your arm restraints. So it's one less thing in your way when you're getting out of the car in a hurry. Now, Lemons doesn't require window nets or arm restraints. And my car is going to have your arm restraints. It's all yeah. just a net. Yeah. But in a hurry, upside down, on fire, so then you can't see because there's smoke everywhere, trying to find that net and where the release button is to pull versus just grabbing that cam and being done is something that I think a lot of racers undervalue. And everybody looks at arm restraints as, oh, it's restricted, restricted. Like once you actually adjust them correctly, you've done two races in them, they're not even, you don't even realize they're there anymore. Are they elastic at all? No, no elastic, it's, it's, it's just a fixed, fixed, fixed material, yeah. fixed length. Yeah, it's just nylon strap. And the way I adjust mine is literally I go for the furthest button away that I can reach, and then I literally pull it and then adjust it. And they're set on your lap belts, they don't move. It's just very simple and it works. Yeah. But questions, comments? Got something answered for you, maybe? Okay. No, it was good What's your opinion on tires? Are we good on stock tires? No, fuck no. Do not go on stock tires. You need to pony up for a good set of the 200 treadwear tires. Um, Yokohama was a sponsor of the series forever. Their tires are just difficult to get right now, especially in your size. Um, get the best thing you can. I also tell people, I go into Lemons races with six tires. Four on the car, end of day one, I'm taking the two most worn off. Usually it'll be the fronts. Those come off, new ones go on the front for day two, and then you're playing. Um, rotate your tires, you'll want six. Because if you have a blowout, you're gonna need one, but you don't want one new tire and then other shitty ones. So keep your axles, same wear of tires. For sure, six of them, which you can get just junkyard rims too. Um, doesn't have to be an AU. The other thing that I found is pretty cool is tire rack sales winter rims for people up north. So basically it's a steel wheel that's made to fit the car, correct size, and they're like 90 bucks. So if you just need two, it's easier than driving around junkyards trying to find one. You know, and then they're gonna charge you 100 bucks for one. So yeah, you can order it online for 90, done. Simple and easy. But yeah, tire, tires are absolutely critical. Yes, your other tires may make it through. You will have enough going on enough challenges with the race, dealing with grip. Uh, having inferior grip to all the cars around you is not something you want to do. You want to be at least at the same level of grip. <coughs> that way if somebody is playing and pushing with you in a corner, you can do the same, right? You can give them a little feedback. I will tell you that if you contact somebody, it is always better to show up in a penalty box when they have not made the call then when they're flagging you for the fifth time, you've made five laps or flagging and telling you to come in, you will get treated way worse because they're in constant radio communication with the flags. So if you're out there and you make contact with somebody, but you go, we're in first place, I'm not gonna come in until the penalty gets called. 
Sometimes they get missed and they don't get called in. If you come in and they didn't get the call, they're going to send you right back out. If you come in and they got the call and you beat the call there, the branch going to send you right back out. They're going to give you a pat on the back and say, thank you for being honest, and back out you go. If you've waited the five laps and they've tried to, you know, they've actually got your number on the board and they're pointing the black flag at you, plan to spend 25, 30 minutes sitting there. Um, best case, they'll tell you to change out drivers, take five minutes, and then you can go. But it'll, it'll ruin your weekend. Really good. Yeah. I guess we'll wrap this one up because nobody's talking but me. Um, if you got anything else? No? Nothing? No, I'm more. excited to do it. Oh, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's yeah. life-changing, and you'll find yourself traveling around the country pretty soon doing it. Because right. you've obviously already got a trailer, right? No. What is it? Really? Or something? Yeah. How are you moving your race car around? It's with my grandfather. He's got a, he's got a full okay, enclosure. So you got to talk to Grandpa. That's how I'm going to go see him. The I'm going to go see him next weekend. <laughs> see, there you go. We're all the enclosed. We're making a trip. Like we got two teams that are going up to Joliet uh, two weeks away. Um, so Chicago area. Um, but they'll be making the road trip up there to go race at Joliet. They also did NOLA. Um, I've had teams travel Sebring. I mean, California. I mean, it's just it's an opportunity to go see some tracks you wouldn't normally get to see. Yeah. Once you get the teething pains of the car done and it's running reliably, there's nothing better than just hopping in and going. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's an epic adventure. But that was a long one. 41 minutes.